0: Okay. Okay.
1: What's up? I just had a week of playing tennis every day. It really showed me what the possibilities are for my life if I weren't to live in New York.
0: Let's uh, preface by saying outside, you played tennis outside because you went to Florida.
1: I went to Florida, or as my son calls it, Florida. He doesn't understand why we don't live there. And all the reasons that I would use to explain to him why you can't live in Florida, he doesn't understand. But it was a nice trip and I'm glad to be back. You have the week off. I can't believe that they gave you the week off after, you know, toiling away in the content mines five days a week, Renee. Look at you.
0: I have a week off. What is my life? Uh, This is great. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, yes, I have the week off so I'm actually, uh, I am not going to the sun. I am going to a colder place than New York, which is I don't know if that's possible, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go skiing with uh, my buddy Betsy and we're going to have a good time and we'll meet, you know, who knows who we're going to bump into out there, but I am super excited because it is dumping out there. And so the snow is going to be fantastic. Uh, so I cannot wait. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing on my first week off. I'm going skiing. It's one, it's my favorite sport outside of tennis to do. I I love it. Same.
1: I have skied with you. You are an excellent skier, surprising no one. You have good, uh, you have good form. You have good balance. Uh, looks like you've been doing it all your life, but as anyone from Australia can attest, you guys don't have so many opportunities to ski. Can I ask you when you were playing tennis, did the Australian sports federation or the school that you went to forbid you from skiing? Cause I got in trouble in college for it. I got yelled at by our tennis coach, even though I was just like doing my family thing. Cause I grew up in Montreal so skiing was like my family thing that we did. And I went home one year and they found out I skied as we do, because that's the only way we get along. And my coach like lost his mind. He was like, oh my God, you could have broken your legs. And I was like, well, I'm an excellent skier. So I wouldn't have, but also I wonder if that is a thing for you.
0: Yes. I can attest that you are an excellent skier as well. Um, I didn't tell anyone that I was going skiing. So I just went and did it on my own. Uh, when I was at the Australian Institute of Sport, it's actually when I started a friend of mine who was one of the tutors there, Probably very irresponsible of him to be like, hey, I'm going to go skiing this wing. you want to come. And I was like, yeah, OK. So I really learned about skiing when I was really just embarking on my professional tennis career. So it was <laughs> the dumbest thing I could have possibly ever done. And even in my off season, every year I would only have like three days. I, I would go skiing. I would go skiing. I mean, it was really the dumbest thing. But thankfully, uh, knock on wood, I did not hurt myself while I was skiing um, and learning to ski. Uh, And I early on in my uh, ski days, I used to go with some of the great skiers in on the US ski team, Peekaboo Street, Hillary Lynn back in the day. And they used to make so much fun of me. I'm like, guys, you're just lucky that I'm able to stand up on these things. Okay, so just give me a break um and since then I've just you know skied every tried to ski every year and I just love it anyway um I think that's really cool
1: and that's sort of a nice segue because one of the things that I heard you were doing with our friend Betsy is taking a ski a couple ski lessons which like even if you're an excellent skier it's great to take lessons when I was in Florida I took some lessons of tennis I feel like tennis is like skiing one of these sports golf is the same way like it's fun to learn to have interventions and have you know the ability to like incrementally improve at something i feel like that's really good to keep your brain alive you know like that's just like a nice human experience to be coached a little bit and i love it
0: betsy uh forces me uh to get uh, lessons from this crazy uh guy out there and he takes me down Uh, Bumps and uh, really hard sort of powdered bump runs and I absolutely am terrified going down bumps because one thing I didn't do when I was learning to ski was I didn't ski any bumps because I'm already an idiot for doing what I was doing so I sort of thought you know what I think I'll probably stay away from those things um and so I uh I kept you know to always kept to the groom runs and it got I, I'm a quite a fast skier but I never I never learned the bump. so um you know he I've been pushing myself over the last few years to kind of get better at that but it that is that is a terrifying thing to learn when you get a little bit older I mean I'm decent enough so I can get down but whew, it's not a lot of fun and my legs are tapped by the end of it yeah anyway, Kate, are let's t- let's okay get let's get talk about tennis.
1: tennis let's talk about tennis um we have some incredible incredible oh. tournament Clay to discuss. We have some pretty incredible highlights. For me, the first person I'm wanting to talk to you about that I'm so excited is back, is Carlitos Alcaraz. What a comeback from what, at the beginning of the season, looked like a pretty dicey injury, and now he's back and he's storming through the draw uh, in Rio on Clay.
0: Yeah, well, um, unfortunately for him, he did storm through the last tournament and then he lost in the final to... Cam Norrie, and I got to give so much props to Cam Norrie. I mean, I wouldn't think, I would think the last place that he would want to go and play is on clay. I thought he would go and play in the Middle East on hard court. He's kind of grown up on hard court. He's, I wouldn't consider him a clay court specialist or player at all, but holy shit balls. He goes and beats Carlos Alcaraz in the final in Rio. Now, you know, a lot of people will say, look, uh, that Carlos was up a set and three love. He was up a break. He probably should have closed the match out, but you know, indications is that he got a little bit injured. He's got something going on with the with the uh, right leg, etc. In the match, and then you know it was able Cam Norrie was able to get back in the match. But you know that aside, he finished the match, Alcaraz. So you got to give tons of credit to Cam Norrie for being able to get that victory over one of really, truly one of the great clay court players that is probably going to win the French Open probably eight or nine times. I mean, the way he's so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's so young, and at some point, you know, Rafa and Roger and. No, they're all gone. Right. And who's going to pick up the bat? And it'll be this guy. But Caitlin, I got to say, I, the the injuries are worrying me at that yeah. age to consist- consistently get these injuries is not a good sign. He should not be getting injuries at this age. I mean, you get them at 35 and 38 and 39, not at 19 and 20. So yeah, he's um, getting uh, like uh,
1: big muscle group injuries too. Like those aren't minor injuries. Yeah. Like your abs and a giant muscle in your leg sort of indicates like. Ew. So yeah, I I agree with you uh, that it's a little troubling. I read the whole week's performances like, oh, he's back and he's on the road yeah. to recovery. But I'm mean, hopefully he stays that way. But yeah, yeah Cam look, Nori, why is he so good on clay? It's like the
0: it's a it's a real he doesn't miss. Yeah. He, He doesn't mess. The guy is a, you know, he has this, you know, a ton of topspin on the forehand. Uh, He has this incredibly flat backhand and he has variety. He's obviously a lefty that certainly helps him, you know, five to 10% over everyone else. It just does. I mean, if you're a really good left-hander, you can take advantage of it because of the patterns of play that you can produce um, that are different than um, from a, as a lefty, you can, Produce a little bit different patterns, than a right hander can, right? Um, and you get used to a right hander's patterns because you play them so much. So you know that that helps him. But you know that aside, he's just gutsy. You know, he went to college. I mean, he's very unusual um, sort of way to the pro pro tour. And in the last couple of years, he's just he's had some incredible wins. I mean, he won Indian Wells a couple of years. Now he's won this tournament over Alcaraz. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in Indian Wells and in Miami because he's just that guy that just, he's always there. He's always at the end. Um, he fights like a dog and you know, he's got a great attitude. And so, so for me, it was good. It was good. I, I, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy watching him play because it's, a, he plays very unusually.
1: Yeah. The, the variety is for me, like part of the draw for him, like yeah. you get a different look and it kind of, yeah, it's sort of fun to see like a kind of ruddy Englishmen do really well on like sort of the dirt sort of surface. That is, that is usually, you know, not where you'd expect them to be. Let's um, move to somebody else who I also really enjoy watching fight, who we don't get to talk about very much because she's bananas. um, But she won a tournament over the weekend. Um, Camilla Georgie. Is this her year to win a grand slam? I ask that every year, that question.
0: Absolutely (laughs)
1: not. I knew you were going to say that, but can you explain Can you attempt to explain for the Camilla Georgie uninitiated what her, I don't know if you find her appealing. I like her because she's insane. Like she's just sort of an Ostapenko character for me who kind of just goes for every ball as hard as she can. And it works out not a lot of the time, but when it does work out, you're like, holy shit, how does she lose anybody? Um, Camilla Georgie won her like only like second or so title. Like it's not very many of them that she has
0: she uh, she is an anomaly let's face it I mean the girl just hits the absolute living daylights out of the ball and one of the reasons she doesn't won't win a Grand Slam is because it is impossible to play the way that she plays over seven matches like you gotta be able to you know tone it down sometimes when you're not having a good day she's it's just it's either in or it's a winner like there's just no in between with her she's gotten a little bit better over the last few years of you know understanding to pull back at, at some point but wow I mean she beat Sloane Stevens, six love, six love. I mean, I know Sloane has the odd day or two where she just is terrible. Um, but at the same time, to lose love and love, like what the? That in was 40 minutes. I mean, just a 40-minute match. That's just love. a routing.
1: It
0: was, it was insanity. So, look, I mean, she's capable of beating anyone on any given day. There's not one player in the draw that goes, yeah, let me play against Georgie. That'll be fun. Not one. Um, So, you know, the fact that she got a tournament under her belt, congratulations. Like it was great, great effort from her uh, down in your favorite place, Mexico.
1: Down in Mexico. I love the Mexico swing. We're uh, we're heading to Acapulco. We've got Monterrey, Merida. Like it's just so fun to see those crowds really, really amped up. And also, listen, Mexico's nice. Every single day of the year, it is filled with some of the most amazing people and food. Like, I'm just here for us to relocate. I'm here
0: for Mexico. I'm here for a any whole problematic parts
1: Mexico. of the tour, move it to Mexico. Just that's my yeah. solution. Hey, WTA finals didn't get any fans because they announced it super, super late. And also, Dallas is like not much of a draw. Mexico, you know, like let's just, let's just Take commit. It.
0: Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, the one, one, there's so many, there's so many storylines from last week, but you got to also go to, um, Andy Murray, are you joking? Eight match points down throughout the tournament, gets to the final, plays, you know, a pretty good match in a final against Medvedev, but Medvedev's let everybody know, hey, guys, I know I've played pretty shit over the last six months, but I'm back. Um, he definitely, after beating Sinner in the final and now beating Andy and um, uh, in that final, he's letting everybody know, don't forget about me. But can I just say, Andy Murray, I mean, honestly, his mother must have been she was at the bar every night after every match I mean it was just <laughs> insanity you know the fact that he grinded back um particularly against Lahetchka in the semifinals, where he was down um I believe five match points three against uh, on Lehechka's serve at love 40 okay the guy was serving for the match 40 love up and not looking like he was giving a sniff to Andy and then all of a sudden Lahetchka decided to use his brain and his brain took over his forehand, and he couldn't hit a ball in the court. It was like, oh my God, he hit one like mid-court forehand in the bottom of the net. I was like, oh, and you knew, and Andy knew, (laughs) right then, I got this guy. All I have to do is not make an error. And when you play against Andy, you know he locks in in those moments and will refuse to miss a ball. So you have to beat him. And Lehechka was just like, he he couldn't see straight. It was unbelievable. Then it gets to into the tie break and you think, okay, Lehechke gets up like, you know, quickly in the tie, and then just like cannot play anymore. It was like, it was amazing how um, Andy just hung around and hung around and what a great effort to get to the final. Um, uh, we did a stat on my show where um, Igor Shiantac lost like eight games in six matches and Andy like was on the court for like six hours and 40 minutes And Andy was on the court for like 24 hours and like 50 minutes. (laughs) It was like insane. And they're both
1: playing three set matches. It's not like somebody's playing best of five. Just to be absolutely clear, that is the same amount of matches with a profoundly different result.
0: It was like four times. I mean, just like insane um, hours that he has spent on the court. And I love Jamie Murray tweeted out when he made the finals. He was just like, Andy, okay, this is just a little too much now.
1: (laughs) I am... I, one of my favorite episodes of the podcast was when you interviewed Judy Murray. So I just have a very quick follow-up question there related to Judy, which is what is Judy's drink of choice? Is she at the bar? Is she like a Chardonnay drinker? Do you think Judy's like a, like a boiler maker? Like what's Judy? I know Scott, the Scots can, can handle their alcohol. I just, I'm curious. What do you think? I don't
0: know. I don't know, but I'll find that out for you. Um, I would say Judy's will go for a white wine, but, um, but uh, I could be wrong. After the amount of t- hours that she had to sit there, I wouldn't be surprised if she's getting into the hard liquor. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hard to say. The actual thing was six matches, Igor Svjantek, six hours and 54 minutes. Andy Murray, six matches, 22 hours and eight minutes. Bananas. Okay, so that is phenomenal. And that was before the final. So um, so an amazing effort from Andy. He just He just, you know, fights. He's my favorite thing watching Andy Murray is when the courtside Mike picks up his commentary <laughs> on himself. And I tweeted out um, it was some of the words that he was saying along the lines of, you know, it's right in your hitting zone basically. And you're just shanking it. And, you know, you just, you got to lower the expectations, you know, you're just not good at it or something. I mean, just like, it's just constant. <laughs> well, some of the
1: um, part of picking up stuff on camera is, hilarious and entertaining, but also as the example you just gave, and one I think about a lot with Sloane Stevens when she was talking shit at the DC tournament when she was playing against Simona Halep and basically calling her a pusher. She was like, well, she's grunting really loud, but the actual like velocity of the ball is not going very fast. And it's interesting because you can learn so much about, especially if you're watching on TV, what they're actually experiencing. And of course, you know, some of them are real dumdums, but a lot of them are super smart. And obviously, like you just said, like Andy knows exactly what you know, he should be doing and he's articulating it. And I feel like that's just such a value add for the people who get to watch at home because you're getting some like bonus coaching from a player.
0: Yeah, basically stop with the inflated ego and lower your expectations.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's good advice across the board for anybody. I feel like one thing that is making this year in Andy Murray super fun for me is that People have gone through every narrative you possibly can about what Andy Murray's doing. Is he hurt? Is he gonna retire? What's the point of this grind? Like, what's he doing? He's got kids at home, you know, da, 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 da. And now you've already had all of those conversations. And so now nothing has anybody left to say other than just like, this is fun. It's nice that he's here. I'm Enjoy to the watch ride.
0: Him. Yeah. Enjoy the ride, people. Enjoy the ride. You know one of the great things about him getting to the final is like you know all these people that complain about why does he get a wild card i'm like because of that because that that is the entertainment factor you get with andy murray is that you know he's never going to give up you know he's going to give you everything you know he's going to fight till the end um and he wants to win and he's one of the great players we've had over the last two decades so if he wants another if if he wants 55 wild cards give them to him that's as far as i'm concerned Um, So, yeah, so I was really pleased. I'm actually really pleased to see Medvedev starting to get back on the train, you know, get things going because, you know, we kind of stopped talking about him when Novak came back and Alcaraz and all of a sudden, you know, Medvedev wasn't having the results. So I have to say that he looked unbelievably locked in and talk about not missing. Oof, Man, when that guy gets locked in, he's just so hard to beat. He's so quick around the court. So I don't know, Indian Wells to me, other than the fact that Novak won't probably be there because of the vaccine status stuff um which is a shame because i want to see these guys play in indian wales and miami um so i mean at this point i don't even know he
1: he continues his stand uh uh where he accepts the consequences but then lobbies the tournament to get in like it's like for me yes i agree it would be great the tour is better when all the players are in top form i agree with you about medvedev it's great that he's coming back into form it seems and it's great when we get to watch all of these great players play at the same time you know for me with novak it's just like are you going to accept the consequences or are you going to write letters to be let into the country because like you can't do both of those things
0: well thankfully uh, let's hope it's the end of it because by may this will not be a a conversation anymore that we ever have to talk about and i'm so fucking over talking about it i'm so (laughs) i'm so over talking about novak and his vaccine status and the country and i think it's dumb at this point as well that you no know, it is dumb like, at this point at this like, point it's dumb at this point just let him in like let's go i'm i'm honestly i'm so over both sides at this point um i'll be really frank and let's give um no vaccine credit here 378 weeks at world number one as of today uh he passes steffi graf as the most ever um player that has held the number one ranking yeah um, so you know that in and of itself is unbelievable considering uh, how much he shot himself in the foot over the last few years with this vaccine stuff and although i do want to say this and don't hate me on these people because i know you love to hate on us but um but steffi graf did all of that by the age of 29 okay so she held that that ranking for that amount of time And I'm not giving it, I'm not, if Rafa had achieved this or Roger had achieved this or whoever had achieved this, I would have said the same thing. I just want to say that Steffi Graf achieving that, not even getting to 30 and holding that number one ranking that long, it just shows you how phenomenal she was. um, Yeah, uh, at a
1: short period of time, 22 Grand Slams uh, with a short career. I also, for me, I hope, there are some records that I care about, and the ones that I really, really care about a lot are the, um, the overall number of titles that Martina has where it's not only mixed, yes. it's not only singles, it's not only doubles, it's all three, which is just yeah. cool. Cause it indicates like, oh, this is somebody who's like mastered all the forms of professional tennis. That's a record that I personally think is cool. And I really think the golden slam is cool. The golden slam is just like, holy shit. You have yeah. all the four trophies and a gold medal in your trophy case from the same year and yeah. Steffi Graf is the only person who has that. Like that is so cool.
0: I don't think. I think if there's one record that will forever stand, I think it will be that one because to be able to do it in the one year, we saw what it did to Novak. He was just by the time he, he came got pretty to the close. Game, well, he came close, but he, you know, I think actually what hurt him winning the U.S. Open and winning the calendar Grand Slam was actually playing the Olympics. Yeah. I think that that ruined him. I think that that threw a, a spanner, as we say in the works. I think it was too much load, workload on his um, body. Um, and we saw what it did it it took it out of him and I think that it cost him calendar grand slam that year I really do Um, yeah and the
1: pressure ended up being kind of like I, I think you know to me that was my favorite Novak was playing that year going for that and seeing how much it meant to him in a way that was really like cool and meaningful and I think you know for me I don't like and I, I, this is true of all the big three. And it was true at times watching, you know, just anybody who was super dominant, like to me, I like the drama of not knowing who's going to win. And I think what, if it becomes inevitable, it gets really boring. And so for me, which is kind of why I root against Rafa in the finals of Roland Garros a lot. Cause like, I like Rafa fine, but like, I don't, you know, I've seen it before. I want somebody else to win. So for me, um, you know, seeing him go for the, the, obviously after he'd lost in the, what was it? The semifinal round, to uh i think um, it was even earlier than that yeah it wasn't he didn't get to the finals i can t- tell you that but he yeah. meaning having seen how much it meant to him to play medvedev in the finals and have the crowd support it was cool it was like a new thing that i hadn't seen before and for that reason like that was a really dynamic and interesting i think result um okay so other matches you want to talk about that just happened we got to talk about krigiko no.
0: We, yes, I was going to say, we can't forget, you know, my favourite thing of the week was really um, watching Iga Swiatek just like literally clean house with every single top player in the world, like literally not even giving them games. It was, uh, it was like she opened her own bakery, she was bread sticking and bageling everyone left and <laughs> right. But then, you see, this is why we love tennis, because there's no, you cannot predict anything in the end, because she's just wiping the floor with everybody. And then she gets to the final against Kujikova who's struggled over the last couple of years since winning the French open. She got COVID. She got injured. she's like being a little bit uh, with her singles. Uh, You know, it's been dominant in doubles, but rocks up this week is down a set and three, one to Sabalenka. She was actually down also earlier in the tournament and she comes back and beats uh, Sabalenka for her first Sabalenka's first loss of the year after really I mean, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden at three, when it got to 3-2, when she broke, it was like she became a different person. She couldn't miss. In the it third set, like, I mean, at one point, Sabalenka looked up at her coach and was just like, what like, what the fuck? Like, how how do I play this? Because she was literally hitting winners everywhere. And so, you know, then she takes out Jess Pagula And I spoke to Jess. Jess, you know, we were texting. And Jess is like, I mean, I couldn't do anything. In the third set, she literally didn't miss a ball. And then, so I think she went into the finals with a ton of confidence, knowing that she'd beaten eager before and beaten eager in a final and not many people can beat eager in finals. And she'd done it before and she knew how well she was playing. She had no pressure on her shoulders. And Ega of course had the, all the pressure on her shoulders because she'd been just thrashing everybody. And the expectation was, well, she's going to do this again. And she was just too good. And uh, Ega looked a little bit anxious and was not comfortable at all. And again, Krujikova has just found another gear again so look out I mean this is somebody who was number two in the world not that long ago yeah can he get back inside the top five after that dominant performance over the last week guess what she's going to be definitely one of the favorites in Indian Wells I love Krujikova for a
1: couple reasons because she's so ice cold like she wins the match and she just like barely holds up a a palm like she's not she was pretty excited shit.
0: after this one she was, she was
1: excited but she's like she beat the number three player in the world the number two player in the world and then the number one player in the world that has not happened all that much in the same tournament there was a list and it was pretty short and the names on that list of people who've done that feat specifically in tennis include Serena Williams and Steffi Graf among you know ever Navratilova like the greats have done that and it doesn't happen all that often so that is super super cool I also um I love Krujikova just only really wearing one outfit for a couple of years in a row. Like they just keep it real simple with her and she just doesn't change her outfit. Like she's not out there trying to wow anybody with her sartorial choices. She's just getting it done. There's such a no nonsense element to when Barbara Kajiková plays. Shout out to Jess Bagula, who's proving to be the most fun hang in tennis right now between drinking her Heineken's after losing at the U.S. Open last summer and posting a picture of herself Talking about how everyone thinks that being a pro tennis player is all glitz and glamour, but here she is getting bageled on her birthday, waiting for a 16-hour flight while eating Doritos she stole from the physio. Like, relatable, you know what I mean? Like, who yeah. hasn't been there eating relatable. sad Doritos late at night alone?
0: Listen, I, uh, I, when I had the greatest um, day on, in my couple of days in my tennis career when I fr- won my first Grand Slam, I won the doubles and the mixed doubles at the Australian Open. And I went to the airport by myself with my two trophies in those barley hessian bags. They're like, you know, those ones you get at a market, you know? So I had my, back, my rackets and my, these two bags. And all of a sudden I'm sitting at a Burger King in Melbourne airport, <laughs> eating a Whopper by myself with my trophies. And I'm like the glamour the glamour side of tennis (laughs) it was like so listen just so everybody knows out there it's a great living and you can you know have a great life and see the world but goddamn sometimes it's really lonely and it's not that easy uh, to deal even when you've had like literally the best couple of days of your life and like she had an incredible couple of weeks and jessica gola singles and doubles you know coco golf again is like getting to the latter parts of tournaments just not quite getting over those um the eager fiontechs but you know hopefully that will come with time but it's been a great couple of weeks like literally You played
1: better coco golf played better against iga this time yes. than she did when iga. they met a couple of weeks ago i felt like that was a real improvement she gave her more of a match she hung in there and like the thing is with coco specifically i feel like you just gotta like count the progress like she's still so young and we've only really had her as a full mature adult player for a very short period of time. So for me, it's more like tr- she's trending the right way. She's fixing some of the strokes. She's learning to compete better. Like to me, I don't need that sh- her to be like fully formed and taking sets and matches off of Vega if as long as she's just making progress, you know what I mean? And that feels like uh, a good sign.
0: I agree um I love that she plays singles and doubles as well it'll only make her a better tennis player and um you know how I feel about oh, so many of these great players that won doubles grand slams before they won singles grand slams and I think that's going to help her in big matches look the forehand is still an issue and it's going to be she needs to like oh I, she, anyway we can get into it. it's like trying to teach you how to hit a forehand better
1: um you gotta see it you gotta see it after my lessons in Florida it's a whole okay. new it's a whole new shoulder rotation Renee
0: all right good. You know, well, this is a multi-step gotta...
1: process i changed from the same grip that coco golf had where i was really under it and now i'm like semi-western and you got to re you got to redo your biomechanics i can't yep. claim to be anywhere near as good as anybody who's ever played a pro tennis match on the same time we're still all playing the same game trying to learn how to hit the same strokes so you know
0: there's time <laughs> shout, out. shout out to the to, to your new coach um listen caitlin um i know you're back from florida you're gonna be here i'm gonna go skiing for a week but um there's still exciting tennis going on this week. As, as you know, we've got the tournament in Austin for the women. Um, the guys are still over in the Middle East. So so I'm just pumped for Indian Wells, the biggest tournament of the year after the Australian Open is coming up. And who's going to win it? I don't know. you got to push Iga. I think Iga is going to be, be looking pretty good. Sabalenka, all the women are going to be there. And, of course, no Novak. He will not be there. Um, but we'll see. Looks like Rafa's is not going to be playing. So that's a bummer for the tournament. Um, in general, but Alcaraz will be there, of course. Carlitos, cannot.
1: yeah, give Carlitos. me
0: Carlitos all day, all day long. Give, give me Carlitos all day long. I love the kid; he's just the best.
1: <laughs> all right, I'm going to go make uh, some dinner for my family. It will not be a sad airport whopper. It's going to be some nice halibut. Um, but yeah. have a great time skiing. Don't hurt yourself. Have a great time. Be touch wood. Uh, touch wood. Uh, do your moguls. Be a I good will student.
0: Not, I will not be trying to compete with Michaela Schifrin. and I'll just be trying to stay safe.
1: Yeah, just so. you know, end the day uh, in one piece, and you've you've
0: you've accomplished a major victory. At the bar, no injuries, all good. Our pre-schemes. All right, Caitlin, good to see you, my friend. Everybody, thanks for joining us again for a little edition here, and uh, we're gonna just get ramped up. We might even have a little special guest next Ooh. week. Uh, get you ramped up for Indian Wells. Okay, guys, it. peace out. Bye. Bye.